Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the DDP. I'm Paul. It is the final day of the month of November, and we are continuing our journey through Advent. I want to remind you that though this is the last day of the month, we are not airing an essay edition. As we told you the last couple of days, we are, for the first time in several years, skipping the essay edition, actually just pushing it pushing the essay edition to the end of December when we will do back-to-backs on December 30th and 31st. We'll do both the November and the December essay. But for this season, we're staying with Advent every day so that we together can experience just a few moments every day. I'm, I'm hoping that this podcast, I'm hoping it's not the only thing you do, but if this is a little moment of rest, a little moment of calm reflection, in this podcast where you just hit play, look at the scriptures, and anticipate together the arrival of Jesus and what not only what it felt like then and, and, and the context of the prophetic language, but what it feels like in all of us to both anticipate his arrival at the coming of Christ, but to anticipate his arrival at the different seasons of our own life. And so you'll see these Advent readings morph. I never claimed we were going to go in order. We'll jump around. For instance, we haven't read anything from Psalms. We've only been in Isaiah the last few days, and we're going to be in Isaiah again today, but we're going to backtrack a couple of chapters from where we were yesterday and drop in another very famous verse. Most of these verses over the next several weeks, you're going to recognize as verses we usually consider Christmas verses or nativity verses, and it's because we've grown accustomed to planting them in this season. Uh, unfortunately, I, I was not raised in environments, church environments that really talked about Advent. We just talked about Christmas and we had Christmas Day, and I, I didn't even have church a lot of times on Christmas Day, uh, only if it fell on a Sunday and maybe not then. And uh, that's, uh, you know, I, that, that's, that was my experience. I don't know about yours, but because of that, there um, wasn't this spiritual reflection, this spiritual anticipation, just sort of all the nativity stories sort of got crammed into one service that either happened Christmas Eve or before Christmas, or maybe the Sunday before Christmas, you preach some Christmas-themed sermon to try and kind of focus us real quick around around that. And in a way, that kind of makes me feel like we, we've so secularized that holiday that we feel the need to cram in some spiritual as we get up close to the holiday. Like, okay, let's hurry up and throw in a bunch of verses about Jesus' arrival so we don't forget the reason for the season. And I'm enjoying this year taking Advent to just slow walk my way into this season. Make it an entire season, not just one day. Today I want to read from the ninth chapter of Isaiah, the famous sixth and seventh verses. It's the government of the promised son, the one for whom, uh, and and if you're using, a new, I'm using New King James in this reading, and they give a lot of proper nouns to words that typically would not be. The New, the New King James is famous for giving the pronouns of the prophetic in the Old Testament and the pronouns of, of Jesus and the Father in the New Testament of giving them capital letters. And whether or not they always nail that, because that's not in the Greek, by the way. The Greek doesn't tell you to capitalize 
um, certain words, like for instance, you have multiplied the nation, increased its joy. They rejoice before you from verse three. They rejoice before you, New King James capitalizes the why. Well, it's because the subject is God, and so they're sort of honoring God by capitalizing. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. I'm, I'm telling you the Hebrew didn't do it. The Greek didn't do it. Um, but the, some translations do. Um, but even if you didn't have it, I, I get this is the point of what I'm trying to say. Even if you didn't have these pronouns or capital letters in front of these, it would be hard to miss the subject of this prophecy. If you had no markers, you just listened, it would be hard to miss who this is. Listen to the sixth and seventh verses of Isaiah 9. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. We had in Christ and his arrival, we have both the child and the son a child born into the natural earth, a son given from the heavens, and the government rests on his shoulder. I know our government or the governments of the nations of the world do not rest on his shoulder, but his government, the government of the kingdom of God, does rest upon his shoulder. This scripture is not to be co-opted and belong to someone else. No politician, no president, no famous figure gets to be the child born, the son given, with the government resting on his or her shoulders. This is Jesus, because if those others, if a a human can qualify for the front, then they get to be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I don't think sometimes we realize how blasphemous we're being when we attribute some parts of the prophecy to natural people and not realizing that we're dropping the part of the prophecy that demands that be fulfilled in Christ. So whatever you think or who you think this might be, you better also call them Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I can see that only as he who was of David and over his kingdom. And I see that only as Jesus. Now, we could do days on wonderful and counselor and mighty God. I just want to focus at this last moment of this today's podcast on this thought. Jesus is the Prince of Peace in that he brings peace as a royal decree. But he's also the everlasting father. He has birthed all of us into a new family thus making him a father of the everlasting. You don't have to say that God the Father and God the Son become the same identical person in this verse, but you do have to acknowledge that when Jesus births us, he becomes a spiritual father over us, taking on the role that his father had and loving us in the way that his father loves him. 
We turn the calendar to December the 1st tomorrow. We'll be back with more from Advent. God bless.